Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I unpack the topic of how your environment determines your behavior and therefore determines your health. We start by defining what the environment actually means and cover different elements of the environment and how they can be designed to optimize your health. We mention people in the blue zones and how they don't ever have to pursue or chase health because it really just naturally happens based on their environment and the fact that their environment reflects what our bodies are actually adapted for. Really enjoyed recording this episode with Mike, and I hope you find the information useful. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the TFC Footner Program. This program is our effort to change the way the next generation of health professionals are trained by leveraging collective knowledge and creating a constantly evolving curriculum of science-based information to keep our community informed and able to help others. People who've completed the program um, are then given the opportunity to teach seminars and workshops so that we can meet the demand and spread the message. For more information, visit thefootcollective.com and click on the Foot Nerd Program tab. This episode is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. Our team at TFC headquarters are big fans of coffee, and this Canadian company provides a unique subscription service that delivers you three great coffees to your door each month and gives you the story behind the craft roasters that they come from. Check out theroasterspack.com and use the code FOOT at checkout, and you'll get seven bucks off your first month of any subscription, which starts at 27 a month all in, including shipping and taxes, so it ends up being less than a buck a cup, even without the discount. Last but not least, this episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear to and from seminars and workshops. They make super high-quality cases that keep your electronics safe during travel, and you can check out their stuff at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. Let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick and Mike here back for another episode of Shop Talk. And today's episode is all about changing your environment to improve your health. In, uh, in continuing to learn about health, we're gradually realizing that although behavior change is important, the environment is actually the main determinant of how you behave. So today we wanted to find what environment means um, go through some you know, different elements of the environment that you might not realize and talk about simple changes that you can make to change the environment at different levels. And at the end, we'll also talk about epigenetics, which is how the environment affects your actual genetics, your actual genes. So, um, so maybe a good place to start with is the fact that environment is a super broad term. And before I, you know, before I started researching this, it didn't really mean much contextually to me. Like, you know, the environment shapes how the environment shapes your health, but it's like, what does environment actually mean? And there's a mm -hmm. lot of different layers. So we'll go down those today. And I think you looked up a couple of definitions of environment. Yeah. So we're not talking about like just what people think of as like nature. We're, the definitions I came across were the surroundings or conditions in which a person, animal or plant lives and operates. The other one was the circumstances, objects or conditions by which uh, one is surrounded. So it can do with basically any conditions surrounding circumstances objects just yeah. any anything that influences you uh and how you operate or your your being your your well-being or just your being so let like the environment includes you know as we'll talk about later the clothing you wear what you eat your home your workplace the school environment and even the people that you surround yourself with like these are all different elements of your whether it be physical or social um environment and also you know, like your we talked climate. about before. Yeah, your climate. Temperature. Very true. 
Um, all of these are the things that, that we just take for granted, but that are actually shaping us. Um, our proximity to healthy versus unhealthy foods, yep. our um, proximity or our ability to connect with others, our, like our friendships. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, every, it's really pretty much everything. And, and we'll relate that at the end, how it's connected to the epigenetics, like you said. And we like one of the modules of the curriculum and one of the elements we're going to put into the seminar is uh, behavior change and how to help people understand how to change their behavior. But, you know, almost what I'm realizing now is it's way less important to focus on behavior and way more important to focus on the environment because that is literally what determines chiefly Mm. the behaviors people make. So I think they're both important. But in terms of order of importance, I think the environment is more important. So that's what that's what today is all about. Um, And I think you know, your, your environment shapes your behaviors. So instead of relying on willpower or motivation, um, it's really about, you know, the environment is the system that allows you to reach your goals. So it's all fine. Well, to say, I want to eat healthier, but guess what? If you don't have access to healthy food and you have no idea of how to, of what healthy food even means, it's really hard to create an environment where you only have healthy foods available. If you don't even know how to define that. So it's like the unconscious driver of our choices. And sometimes it's, it can be, we can be aware of it, but a lot of times it's, it's below our awareness. It's like literally if you're surrounded by these foods, ooh, aha, like I have a craving for these foods. Like mm-hmm. if you're surrounded with unhealthy, like bags of chips and ice cream in your house, it's only That's a matter of you're time <laughs> before you delve into that. So it's like, oh, why do I always make those choices? Like I should be better. It's like, well, it's surrounding you. Like it's literally, yeah. if you just set it up differently. You're making it hard for yourself. Exactly. And I think one thing that I realized and I mentioned someone the other day is we have so we're going to go through all different elements of the environment we have full control over our environment our environment is what shapes our health we have through deduction well you you, yeah for some people some parts of our environment but a lot of chiefly we have full control we have most control over our environment there's very few things in our environment that we can't change some things are going to be more difficult to change than others but if you have control over your environment and your environment shapes your health by deduction, you have full control over your health. And I think that's important yeah. for people to understand that you might have different circumstances than other people, but you can change a lot of things if you just understand what changes you need to make. And that's really oh, exactly. what today's about. What changes can you make starting small in different elements of the environment to essentially engineer a system of health um, so that you become healthy without even trying? And it's all like, I think, a scale Right. I, I think I was just thinking about what you just said is like you have full control. And I was like, wait, well, if you live in a city and you're surrounded by like car exhaust and like potential for toxins and all, well, do you how much control do you have over that? But you can well, move. you do. Exactly. So you do have the ability to literally move like so that's where it's a scale. So can you and we'll talk about maybe the balance there. It's yeah. like you could move to like your remote island and start living like a tribesman now, like but you don't it, have to go it, that far. It's no, like, exactly. But I'm saying Riddle, like just Riddle. as a thought experiment, like that would be yep, how you maximize what we're talking about. But that's not feasible for most people. So how can we make some sort of balance where you can uh, you can control kind of most aspects of it? And, and even micro aspects. Healthy. Tony Riddle talks about how he's an urbanite living a natural lifestyle. And mm-hmm. he talks about, okay, you got to take the tube or the train. Well, guess what? Instead of sitting, you can stand, you can hang. You can squat on a chair. Literally, mm-hmm. you can create a natural environment in an urban setting if you just know what to do. Exactly. Um, so we'll talk about that today. And like I've been reading the Blue Zone Solution right now because we're starting to work out uh, or build out the the food section of the curriculum and also uh, building that into our education products. And 
you know, number one, it's a book I highly recommend. And we're actually building um, a TFC Amazon store that has all the books and products we use so that people have a way to see what resources we use to, to put out this education and also have them available. Amazon's pretty badass. Um, but the one thing I'm getting from it is people in the blue zones live longer and healthier, um, live longer, healthier and happier than anyone else on the planet. And the biggest thing is that these people, they're not genetically different. They're not genetic outliers. Mm -hmm. um, they don't work out. They don't go on diets. They don't even focus on being healthy. It's not even in the realm of consciousness. They simply live in an environment that removes the need to pursue health. Because if you live in a natural environment, health actually naturally ensues. Yeah. Like it's not, it's this natural thing where if you live in the right environment, health is not something you need to obsess over. It just happens. Well, that brings up the topic of nature versus nurture. And it's like how much of it is. And I think that genetics is such a cop out for, for many of us. It's like, you know, yeah. this disease, heart disease runs in my family, this and this and this. And it's like, well, what, what environment are, the, are you exposed to? And we were talking about nature versus nurture. Na nature is basically like the pre-wiring that we think of or like the, the inherited factors of, of uh, your, your genes, right? Um, things that we, we think we can't change. Uh, nurture is basically the acquired or environmental factors there as well. And this has been kind of an ongoing debate for actually hundreds of years when I looked into it. And it's a debate in terms of general health, but also psychology. It's like how much of behavior is influenced by our genetics versus how we are brought up. And there's people on both sides of the fence. But I think that now we have, when talking about epigenetics, we're, we're learning that it actually is way more uh, nurture than, than we have ever the thought. Environment. Yeah, because there was always like the geneticists and all that saying it's completely biological. Your your behavior is hardwired in, and then there was the other end uh, saying like, no, you're you're basically a blank slate when uh, when you're born, like John Locke's philosophy. And it's like, and this was like hundreds of years ago. So there's been this debate, but it's like there's always a combination of both. But I think that well, twin uh, studies sort that out. It's like for take sure. two people, let them live in different lifestyles, and see what that results in. If like you said, if someone dies of heart disease forty years earlier, well. They have the identical genetics, like identical twins are the same genetic code. Exact same, yeah. So their environment and their lifestyle, what they eat, how they live, how they move, their their moods, that's a really big, you know, it, it's like, what was what's that saying? Your genetics load the gun and, and your environment pulls the trigger or something yeah. like that? Like that's... And that's prime example of, I mean, that's essentially what epigenetics is. And we can get into it later, but just briefly... Um, Epigenetics is the study of how your genes are influenced by your environment in terms of how your genes are expressed. Mm -hmm. So your genes can actually be inhibited. Um, your DNA and aspects of it can be inhibited or um, or not inhibited, and they can behave. It can behave in different fashions depending on um, the what you surround yourself, the environment, the, the things. You, basically, everything we will be talking about today mm -hmm. can influence the expression of your your genes. So the environment literally programs your bio biology and, and your phenotype, which is like your your total health and your being is is influenced by your environment uh, and your phenotype changes. And that's like if you look at animals are a prime example of that we were talking about before so if you take an uh, an animal in the wild and and you compare it to an animal in the zoo you're going to see so many examples of like that looks like a different thing it behaves yeah. like a different thing it, it looks, looks like a different, like a different thing uh, it moves like a different thing um you take like a wild salmon like i just ate wild salmon on the weekend and that i that i found and um it was like 
you know, like vibrant red. Yeah. And you compare that to something you get at the, you know, the supermarket that's like this shitty, dull pink. Dull pink. And yeah. even at that, I heard that they actually dye it. They dye the food that they eat really? to make it look more pink because it wouldn't be pink at all oh if, God, if that's not. Crazy. And the reason being Just is that healthy tissue. No, exactly. So, so it, like basically, um, salmon in the wild eat salmon things. They eat shrimp actually, and I think that's what causes them to change color. But literally, they look like different species because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and then you take like the the wild boar example versus a pig, and and they they look like different things. One when one is allowed to go into that's the wild. So that's. Well, just as a very small tangent, we're going to do another food podcast. We can talk about the craziness of the world of food. But they used to have a law saying that if something was made that wasn't natural, you have to do. Well, there was two kind of things that eventually they got squashed by the food industry that lobbied. But number one is you had to write imitation. Number two, if you made something that wasn't butter, you had to call it imitation butter and you had to color it pink. Wow. Which is so funny because when pigs go from natural to domesticated, they turn pink. Yeah. Salmon go from like bright, like fuchsia to pink. So yeah. it's just funny that they made people dye shit pink. And obviously the food <laughs> industry was like, well, we can't be having that because that shows people what fake food is. So exactly. anyway, well, I mean, just to take that a step further uh, in our environment talk, you, you also need to consider the environment that what you consume is in. Yeah. So, so it's like, you are what you ate, ate. <laughs> yeah. You are what you ate, ate. And then you are also the environment that what you ate, ate. So, yeah. so it's like, if you're, you're eating salmon, that's in like this crowded pond of like shit, you're, you're going to be <laughs> versus something that's in nature. And it, and it goes to every, uh, quarter, you know, corner of that. But I found that, that interesting. And then like, there's a classic example of like orca whales who put in cat- captivity and they just, you know, their fin flops over and they become mm-hmm. different, different things too, when they aren't allowed to swim and explore and all of that. Yeah. And part of that is social. Part of that is, uh, the, you know, the foods that they're, it's, it's everything for them too. Yeah. So, um, we see it very clearly in other species, but for some reason it's harder for us. Oh, well, to we, see, see we see it clearly in humans. Well, I, I think if we basis. took a, I think we, yeah, we, we actually do. If, if we were objective about it, we well, would actually see they're overweight. They don't know how to yeah. move. They're breaking down. Like this is, these are the outward symptoms of a species that is not living according to their genetics. Very true. Right? And if, I, if you're objective about it, if you took somebody who was like a, uh, a hunter in uh, hunter gatherer times, or even like now, if you take somebody who looks a natural, go to the Amazon. Yeah. You, look, they're jacked. They're exactly. happy. They eat, they move they're physically robust like and compare that to the average yeah. cl- like office a, a, dweller I- exactly so <laughs> you're gonna species. see they oh they look like different things right so, so let's so quickly well and i think let's get in the habit of doing this talk about quickly problem solutions so the problem that we're going to talk about today is that our biology hasn't changed in the past hundred years let alone the past several thousand but our environment has changed a lot and whether it be the workplace the food landscape technology it's very different and it no longer promotes a life that live that's in line with our genetics and the solution is not telling people what to do it's help people understand how important the environment is in shaping their behavior and help them make small changes to engineer their environment to one that promotes health so Mm -hmm. that's the problem that's our solution let's get into different elements of the environment define them and also talk about small changes you can make and i think when we talk about physical environment the immediate physical environment starts with the clothing that you wear and this yeah. seems like, you know, people are like, wow, clothing's not really the environment, but it is because it affects how you move, how your body works. And, you know, when you look at clothing, 
humans used to wear clothing for functional reasons. How your body feels even. How your body feels. Exactly. Or the, the likelihood of you getting into certain positions, doing certain movements. It really does affect you. And, you know, humans used to wear clothes for functional reasons to protect the body from the elements. So whether that was temperature or texture or a harsh environment, whatever it was, we wore clothing on our body to protect us from the elements. And at a certain point, we shifted to wearing clothing for reasons other than function. So whether that was sex appeal or fashion or personal expression, right? People wear clothes as an expression of their personality. And really, there's nothing wrong with those things um, to try and attract a mate or, or whatever we call this thing called fashion. There's nothing wrong with wearing clothing for reasons other than functional reasons. The problem happens when you start to wear clothing for reasons other than function and it comes at the expense of function. Mm -hmm. That's really where the problem is. That's where when your clothing no longer lets you physically function like a human's supposed to, your physical environment called clothing has turned into a problem. And, and you know, as a foot collector, we, we can start with feet. Footwear is clothing. It's clothing mm -hmm. we originally wore on our feet to protect them from the environment. But now footwear has become something that doesn't let your foot articulate like it's supposed to, that damages your foot and, and deforms it long term. So we just really have to, you know, if you're going to make changes in your physical environment, start with the clothing you wear. If you wear a suit yeah, and you can't reach and you can't put your arms over your head, you can't do a squat without tearing a, a, you know, a hole in your ass of the pants. Like this is not a conducive physical environment to allow you to move. I work, I walk like a robot when I'm wearing a suit and maybe my suit is not like the best fit. <laughs> I got the best fit I, that was possible at the store. Yeah, you have a tailored was, suit. Yeah. So, so I do have a, but it's like, I almost need like a completely, you almost need to like get a completely perfectly fitting suit that's not built like other suits for it yeah. to actually because it's like i feel tight after that and it's like my arms are jumped forward a little bit i walk a bit stiffer yeah. i can't do a squat i can't move like i want i can't run if i had to yeah so these are all things look at all these things that it's affecting and again uh, i'm only wearing suits in like occasion people who wear suits every single day and and they're working <laughs> with suits they're walking like they're spending most of their existence in a suit if they're working um if they're if they have a job that that uh requires it right um so it's just another one of those things. And it's not don't wear a suit. It's if you can find a suit that lets you, you know, here's a good test. Try a suit on, do a squat, do it's a, a squat test, go jump a few times, reach above your head, reach for something far away. If any of those things you are not able to do, guess what? You're going to lose the ability to do that because you're not going to do it at all during the day. For sure. So don't wear simple. clothes that limit your function. Like it should be so basic. And like if you wear shoes that don't that don't allow your foot to fan out like it naturally is supposed to, that don't allow the joints of your foot to move, that put a little wedge under your heel that messes up the alignment of every single joint upstream. Guess what? You're going to have problems. And these, this should if almost I, be so simple. We shouldn't need to say it. No, but exactly. We do. But I, but people laugh at it. Like I, I actually do the squat test when I try on a pair of. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I get chirped for it all the time. Uh, when I try on a pair of pants at the store, yeah, like I'll go into the change room and can I bottom out a squat in these pants? <laughs> and if the answer is no, how many pants have you torn? I haven't torn. I just go slow. I don't, I don't dive bomb, but because I, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, if I can't bottom out a squat, there's no re there's no way I'm getting the pants. Yeah, it, it's just Lulu it's just, make a good because you can still I found really nice pants that I can bottom out squats in, and they look nice, and they're exactly what I want, and they feel better, and they allow me to do more. Yeah. So why would I not get that? Yeah, exactly. It's just weird. So your physical environment starts with the clothing you wear, which includes the footwear and also the clothing upstream that you wear, and if the clothing doesn't let you to to express. All of these natural positions that and movements that humans are designed to do, 
you know, if you have to run from a fire and you and you have to run like a peg leg because the pants you wear don't let you run, <laughs> this is a problem, right? Survival wise, um, just and then like women, I feel for you. You know, I know you want to wear your heels, but if you can't even walk like a human, how are you supposed to run if there's some some sort of danger? Like this is this is not a smart move, right? You can take off the shoes, but it's also like, let's find a compromise that of some and and obviously the future of clothing and footwear. I think when people become more health conscious and you know, I've just I still look for clothes that I think look good, but I've just literally removed non-functional clothing from my radar. So if it's, it doesn't matter how good it looks, if it doesn't let me move like a human's supposed to move, it's not even an option, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of like, you know, we'll talk about food as part of your environment later and you have to make the same decision with food. It's like, I don't care how delicious that is. If it's fake food and I'm going to know, I, I know there's going to be consequences to how my body's going to react to it. It's not even something that I can eat, right? It may as well be delicious poison because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not on my radar exactly so okay next next physical environment so that was clothing let's talk about the home and you know the home is where you spend where people will spend the bulk of their time right it's your shelter it's your the safe zone for your survival or used to be um and i think if your home is one that provide that makes unhealthy habits and behaviors convenient then you are going to have unhealthy behaviors expressed on a regular basis so mm-hmm. you know if we break that down number one is creating an environment that allows the expression of movement yeah so if you have furniture everywhere that lets you sit well guess what you're probably gonna do a lot of sitting yeah so it's not Couches, get, it's not get chairs. rid of your furniture but allow allow parts of your home environment to to enable uh you know ground living like allow areas where you can still watch tv you don't have to give up tv or netflix but just allow yourself to adopt ground positions and set it up that way, right? Yeah, set it up. Make it more convenient to do that than sit on the couch. Like in our garage, we just moved into a different place. In the garage, we put we ordered uh, this Amazon flooring, uh, Amazon. and it's just a uh, yeah, it's just like a, a flooring you can do stretches on, a little padding to it. Yeah, uh, and we put that in half the garage. So what do we do? And like we'll just go out in the garage and yeah. like do mobility work stretching workouts and all of that uh put it we put on music out there so it's attractive so yeah. to go out there so we put on um you know you have a, a nice speaker out there and and the garage is open it's all good like there's a bit of sun coming in and, and it's a nice place to go now because you've made it, it an enjoyable and convenient space to go to exactly. so you naturally want to go to that. if it was a dungeon that was dark stinky hard floors like you probably wouldn't go in there no that's right the thing. so make it convenient so th- that's the physical environment um you know, even food is part of your home environment. If we talked about this before, well, if all you have is shit yeah. food, fake food like products hanging around your house, well, guess what? That's where you're going to eat. Exactly. There's also the things like, like you said, lighting. Um, do you have like natural light versus artificial light? Yep. Are you living in some like really like dungeon like place um, that maybe you should try to get out from more um, the temperature? Um, and then also the the microenvironment of your bedroom. We've talked about that in the sleep podcast. Yeah. But is it conducive to actually sleeping? So is it set up in the way w- where you have you know a big TV screen or and uh, light came in, or can you set it up better too? So yeah, I think is those it dark? are dark. Can it be cold? Temperature. Yeah. Right. All that kind of stuff. And even you know, well, my brother Dan is a is a home designer, and he said something interesting the other day. He said that. If you live in a home where during the day, during daylight hours, you have to turn on lights or use a lot of lights, mm-hmm. that home was not designed in a way that's conducive to, to allowing natural light to co- to percolate into the home, right? That like when sense. he designs a house, 
I, I think any anytime you look at what someone does and you look at it at the superficial level, you don't understand the complexities. But, you know, when he was talking about, yeah, when you design a house, you make sure there's windows at all different angles so that doesn't matter what time of day it is, the natural sunlight allows your house to be lit up, whether mm -hmm. that's a certain corridor or, or a certain angle. And it was just very interesting. It was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, natural light naturally makes people healthier, is yeah. a better form of light. Um, and and yeah that that plays into your home environment as well so the home environment in terms of furniture in terms of food available in terms of your your individual and personal sleep environment um those all make a difference and that's the home is where you spend most of your time so it's one of those things where if all that and work i would say and i was talking a little bit about this the other day when it comes to food i think that you know we we look at food and we're like you know where we live we walk we've done this thing where we just walk to the grocery store it's a 10 minute walk so we just instead of driving we never drive to the grocery store anymore mm -hmm. we just walk there and basically it makes you walk to get fresh vegetables every day similar to what you would be doing in a natural culture and you look at okay you know bezos amazon just bought whole foods it's not gonna be long before you can get your groceries delivered and i always looked at that as like a bad thing where the can be it's just another convenience and comfort but what i realized is when i go into the grocery store grocery stores have turned into this basically trap where when you walk in there, you can walk in with the best intentions in the world. Guess what? It's engineered to trap. As soon as True. you walk into the grocery store I go to, the the biggest thing right beside the carts where you have to pass by when you walk in is crap. It's mm -hmm. crackers. It's candies. It's cookies. And guess what? A lot of people just tap one of those into their cart because it's there. Exactly. If you're able to order food to get delivered to your home, you don't have any of those temptations. True. Right? Like what we're going to do eventually is um when we get into food is we're going to create a list with amazon or with whoever i don't know amazon's not really delivering mainstream groceries yet um, but when they do because it's only a matter of time create a list where people can go and basically click on a recipe and click on add these add recipe elements to my cart mm -hmm. and then all of those ingredients get added to your cart there's you're not having to walk by ritz crackers and cookies and basically it gets delivered the next day and then, and then also give people a video they can watch to show them why the ingredients were selected and also how to cook it, right? Like make cooking delicious, healthy foods so convenient that playing into this human desire for comfort and convenience guides you to eating better stuff. Well, that's going to be interesting. Like continuing on the concept of food, like you just said, the, the grocery store itself uh, is designed in a way where you do have healthy foods in it, but you also don't. Um, the uh, The other thing you could say is that like, not only grocery stores, but uh, things like fast food restaurants or restaurants in general, like mm -hmm. in the vicinity of your house. Yeah, that, that would that's make, your environment. Uh, that is part of your environment. And if you, you know, if you live in an area with all these things around, you're more likely to, uh, you know, to indulge in them. And then the other thing would be like, do you, ha you know, if you have access to a farmer's market or things yeah. like that, that would be a great habit to get into because generally it's going to select for healthy natural foods at a farmer's market and those are becoming more popular at least where mm -hmm. we live too which is kind of cool to see I in agree. different areas you see them everywhere now it's very cool and, and there's the, like th this food principle that i was trying to keep in mind the the closer you can get to buying your food from the person that grew it or cultivated it the better it's going to be for you mm -hmm. and if you're buying it directly from the farmer that grows it and can interact with that person you have a whole different level of appreciation for the food that you're about to eat because you literally spoke to the dude that's blood not blood but <laughs> that whose sweat goes into actually creating and working to 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 grow that food and that's a different relationship than a supermarket exactly so. now one more thing on food like if we talk about we've been talking about food as part of your external environment so food as a as something that surrounds us 
and it kind of drives our choices on what to consume. But you can also kind of flip it and look at our body as it's having an internal environment mm -hmm. and food is, is affects both ends, the ex externally and internally. So yeah. it's basically what we bathe our cells in and, and how our body functions at an, at a cellular and internal level. So it's like, once you consume the food that that makes your internal environment and then that plays back into that concept of epigenetics we've been talking about how your genes are expressed how your physiology is expressed um and how you are shaped uh, your whole body and your phenotype in general so mm -hmm. you can look at it both ways and i think that concept of internal environment you can look at in with other aspects like the toxins you're exposed to and all the conditions that create this unhealthy like soup within you that that is actually bathing your your cells and and, and expressing your your health um according to like what that internal environment's like so and like you said like if we want to get really into the specifics well, we won't get too deep in the weeds here but the paint like my brother just had a baby and they went and uh, created a nursery for him and he looked into paints and he's like when he actually he he was basically like i'm going to make this the healthiest place in our entire house because if mm -hmm. you know a baby that's growing the environment's very important and you want to make sure it's healthy so he went all out he looked into the paints and when he the more he looked into paints the more he realized holy shit most paints have a shitload of chemicals oh, they're sure. not very good so he bought he paid three times as much but he bought a paint that has zero chemicals or um i can't remember vo vo2s or something like that it was some name for a chemical that pretty much every paint has VOCs, I think. Okay. Um, and so he... Volatile organic compounds. Yeah. Think. Yeah. And so he nerded out on paint. The furniture, right? Like most furniture, you were even saying, has some sort of... Flame retardants. Flame retardants, common. which are chemicals. You know, all these things. And none BPAs, of these... BPAs, like uh, Max Lugavir, he, he's, he was on a... Uh, Aubrey's podcast uh, okay. recently, but he was taught... He, he went deep on this this uh the toxins that we're surrounded surrounding ourselves with and it's actually it made me want to do a bit more research on it but he was like just uh, close to the surface ones are like the flame retardants but the bpas though that we're exposed to that's a big one so bpas are found in plastics so plastic bottles plastic containers plastic things that we hold our food in mm -hmm. um all of the, these other forms of plastics now these bpas are basically xenoestrogens and basically they mimic the hormone estrogen so they'll they'll at at uh, certain concentrations act as a hormone estrogen so it's like we're consuming these things we're so heating crazy. our food in them we're leaving water bottles in the car that are being and uh, and these are things like again i did never really thought about it that deeply before that yeah. but and there's some point where but being aware i was thinking there's two aspects to it it's like you don't want to go crazy thinking yeah, about all the potential things however if you know then it's like make simple changes like use yeah. glass or, or metal bottles yeah. uh don't heat your food in plastics like use containers that are glass like it's just like very simple things and you could at least start to uh and those are simple steps that you just need to do once and then it's like you're good um and make make choices uh maybe do a little research if you're if you're buying like furniture or or things like that and it, that's all you really need and so. it's not like you it's not any of these one particular things in isolation that causes the problems right the paint in your house is not going to give you cancer but if you have 50 different things that are contributing to this chemical burden that your body has to fight against well you know the the 51st thing could be the thing that that overwhelms your body to the point where you start to show symptoms so you know i went to a conference recently and they gave out plastic water bottles and i had my uh, you know i didn't care that it was free i had my brought my aluminum one you know all the water bottles that tfc makes are all uh, stainless steel rather and i just threw out the plastic one because i didn't want to use it right mm -hmm. it didn't matter that it was free it was like 
it, so it it do understanding at a basic level, not obsessing over these things, but just knowing them does affect the decisions you make, whether you realize it or not. So mm-hmm. getting people to become informed, like if you're going to repaint your house, why wouldn't you want to just go the extra bit, maybe pay a bit more for something that doesn't have as many chemicals? It's your immediate physical environment. You know, just little things, air quality, um, the paints that you use, the furniture that you that you buy. You know, all these things add up. They 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 compound to create big environmental burdens or big environmental, um, you know, positives. So just small choices make a big difference overall. Um, so that's kind of the home. So the food that you have in the home, the furniture that you've got, uh, making your home into a movement uh, friendly environment instead of a sedentary promoting environment, those all make a big difference. Um, and let's, so the next physical environment let's talk about is the workplace, because this is another one where, you know, you spend a lot of your waking hours and sleeping hours in your home, but you also spend the majority, most people spend the majority of their waking hours in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a a sticking point for a lot of people. So let's talk about um, things you can do and strategies you can use to take, to make the best of whatever environment you're in. And I think a lot of people feel stuck um, with their physical environment at work saying, Oh, you know, my boss won't get me a standing workstation. It's like, you can't, no one can force you to adopt unhealthy behaviors. No one can stop you from standing at work. They can make it difficult for you to get some sort of furniture that makes it convenient to stand. But guess what? You're in full control over the positions you put yourself in during the day. You're in full control over how much movement you do, over what you put in your mouth. It can be harder. I'm Mm. not saying, if you live, if you work in a place and within one mile, there is six fast food restaurants and no real food places, guess what? It's harder for you to have a good food environment at work, but it's not impossible because guess what? You can go and buy food and bring it to work instead of taking the easy route and going to buy food. So it's let's let's just unpack this a little bit. For sure. So I think, yeah, you mentioned just like your desk setup is something immediate that you can change. Yeah. Um, I would say your your habits at lunch are another one so not only the food you eat but what do you do at lunch can you get out actually outside into a natural environment at yeah. lunch can you take get a some walk? vitamin d uh can you get some sunlight can you get some fresh air these are all parts of the environment as well um yeah so i think those are some some main ones water um, hydration hydration like, make sure that you know where the closest source of good water is and make sure that you're consuming water regularly right like mm. if you're if every time you pee your pee is really really dark yellow you're not hydrating enough your pee should be relatively clear and if you're not going to the bathroom multiple times a day to pee maybe you're not consuming enough water water is a really powerful tool to flush out toxins and and flush things out of your body that your body shouldn't have in it and if you're not drinking water, you're not, you don't have a way to, do you just swallow extra I, loud there? <laughs> I, no, I just unconsciously took a sip of water and I realized after, right after you're saying that. So yeah. Food, and then snacks, like bring snacks with you, bring nuts, bring, bring things that grow directly out of the ground because then you know that the, it's real food, right? Mm-hmm. I think this whole thing with food is, is, and we can talk about food at the end a little bit more, but food is actually really simple. It's just, it's less about telling people more stuff about food and more about basically digging out all the bullshit complexity that's been layered on top of food to confuse people with this age of nutritionism, where we talk more about nutrients than we do about food. And food is actually so simple. It's like the most basic things, the basic, most basic drive and pillar of health that humans need to do that, you know, 50 years ago, you didn't need an expert to tell you what to eat. And now people are convinced that they need to know every friggin' macronutrient or, or vitamin in food to know whether to eat it or not. And it's like, 
it's just gotten so messy and and i think clearing up that space is going to be really fun and also very powerful but it all comes back to the like what do you surround your what are you surrounded with and then that dictates some of the choices that you that you make and create your environment if you're surrounded with shitty food well guess what you just have to take the responsibility to create your own food environment by bringing stuff with you um so and then even like the mental environment in the workplace i think is another big yes, one i was just going to talk bring that up like yeah i think that we downplay these you could call it the mental or like psychological environment or the even you know that has ties to the social environment but that also applies to elsewhere but i think just how do you f- feel is it is there a toxic uh, culture in your workplace or do you have good connections with people just like the feel of things and And you feel a sense of purpose like do you feel aligned do you feel like what you're doing at work is aligned with your values and also giving you a sense of purpose so that like if you have to drag yourself to work to do something you don't want to do and you do that every day how are you supposed to thrive as a human when you're putting yourself into an environment of suffering every single day, five days out of seven? This is a big problem. Yeah, and if your environment at work is such that, like you, you, your boss is, uh, you know, behaves in ways that kind of, you know, make you feel uh, inferior, or, or like you don't like the people you're around, um, and it just feels that way, then maybe you should look at changing that for the betterment of your psychological health and and just you know, your, your life basically. But I think people, that's unconscious too. Cause it's like, you can do yeah. all the things, but if you know, when you're just around people and you're like, oh, I just don't, I don't like that. Like it makes you feel a certain way. So you need to surround yourself with people that make you feel a certain way. Yeah. And that includes your work, but also friendships and other things too. I agree. People, I think it's so easy for people to feel trapped and it's like, having conversations with people about, okay, you hate what you do for work. All, every time we talk about your work, you just complain. So let's figure out what do you actually like to do? I don't even think most people have asked themselves the questions of what do I enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. And when they ask themselves that, it's like, okay, this is what I love to do. This is what I'm doing every day. They're very different. How can I try and how can I work on creating a situation where I can start to do what I love to do, maybe just for personal pleasure or for personal joy as like a hobby? to give myself an outlet to do something that gives me purpose and then just figure out a way to, to allow you to do that and be paid for it. Like Mm -hmm. this is really, I think this older generation of people just think that there's a script. You, you go to school, you go to university, you get a job, you retire, blah, 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 blah. Like it's a script that everyone thinks they need to follow. And it's like, well, you don't have to follow that script. Mm -hmm. You can like, just do what makes you happy, right? You have to live, you have to make an income. But for a lot of people, it's a trade off of, do I get to buy more shit and keep affording living beyond my means? Or do I, do I value freedom of being able to do things that make me happy more than buying the shit that that society makes me want? Well, and then you can tie that back into like your surroundings too. Like if you tie it back into your environment. So who do you surround yourself with? If you surround yourself with all the same people right who are also hating their jobs and they're also living a certain way then you're likely to not change where is if you're surrounding yourself with people who are doing what they want and are living the life they want and are uh, you know ambitious in that manner or whatever then or even have the same hobbies as you then you're going to act more like them too you're going to feed off of each other we're very social animals so it comes down to like if you want to be living in a certain way start even like searching out groups or or friends or, or things like that that allow you to live more like you want to live and you'll start becoming more like you like that right yeah and that's the well let's may as well just talk about that now mm-hmm. so that's the work environment 
you know, make sure that you have access to good food, that you have a, a, a physical environment that allows that's that's movement promoting instead of promoting sedentary behavior. But the next environment let's talk about is a social environment. So you are, you know, the 10 people you surround yourself most with is who you kind of turn into. So one part of your environment, instead of being physical, is your social environment, the friends and family you surround yourself with. And I think, like you said, the attitudes, the values, the um, behaviors that those people exhibit are behaviors you will become more aligned with because we're social animals, right? We want to fit in with the community. So the community you surround yourself with is a community you be is the person you become. And just like toxic foods and chemicals, you need to you know basically discard toxic people yeah. in your in your life too. Who and maybe seek out healthy people and seek out healthy people, and yeah. that that's just basically who you know bathes your psychology, right? And and that will help you think better thoughts and become somebody better so and healthy uh, people are not necessarily people that you know pump up your ego people that always give you positive reinforcement because that's not a healthy that's not a healthy relationship either mm -hmm. right you need people that can call you on stupid shit you're doing that if you're getting overweight aren't afraid to say hey you're you're not looking very healthy like what can i do to help you be healthier right when you're succeeding or having success people that will not be jealous of that success but we'll be like oh that's so awesome mm -hmm. you know good job keep going blah blah blah. you know like it's really having a, a close personal inner circle of people that are constructive to help you reconnect with health whether that's the food you eat you know i think living with olivia loves eating make loves making food and eats really healthy food i think my, <laughs> my health is so much better because you know living with someone that shares similar values in terms of foods well, that's another exactly um, or that's open to growing right if you eat crap food and the person you live with you know you have the conversation be like do you want to feel better let's let's hold each other accountable to you know when i go for the cookie aisle in the grocery store just tell me nah, we're not doing that you know like have the an accountability partner exactly yeah. and you're that's your social environment like if you're somebody who goes out and, and drinks every weekend heavily um you're going to surround yourself with people who also do that exactly. it's like every other aspect is dependent on that too so um, I think that's, I think that's big. Yeah. Your social environment's huge. I think that's but like, it's harder to quantify that because it's more abstract, but you know, in future, maybe we can do a, a podcast just on your social environment and cause it's not easy, right? If you have like, especially with family, if you have a family member that is not a very, um, healthy person to be around, you can't just discard that person, right? No. You might get to a point where that's the only option you have, but I think there's a lot to be said about trying to find ways to create unhealthy um, relationships or helping say you have a family member that's really unhealthy in their in the behaviors that they exhibit how do you help that person coming from a place of i care about you so i want to talk about this instead of just being like oh why are you eating those chips again bro you know like it's really it's it's using language to build trust and also come from the perspective that i want to help you this is why i'm saying this i'm not saying this just to, to shit on you or to trip you um so anyway we can address that again in the future but i think the next one right after uh, the physical environment of the workplace is the physical environment of schools because let's be real schools are the equivalent of the workplace for children it's the place where they spend the bulk of their waking hours and it's the single largest environmental force that shapes their development so i think this is you know let's like two big elements are movement promoting and access to real food because i think these are two things that are completely sure. missing and all that comes to the main point of like, is it a 
place that's conducive to learning, which yeah. is its goal. The goal yeah, is to learn. Sure. And right now they're set up in ways that aren't conducive to learning, yeah. right? With, with lack of, uh, you know, good quality foods and nutrients, lack of movement, the way we set up their desks, the way we structure their classes. And, you know, we won't go into the, what they're actually teaching because that's a whole other yeah. can of worms but that is that's part of it but like the environment uh, is part of what they teach if all you do is make real food available it's pretty easy to talk about food when you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing this is why we're serving this food right like what what the hell happened to home ec what the hell mm -hmm. happened to you know i saw this documentary i think it was jamie oliver where he went um to these younger kids and basically brought 10 vegetables they couldn't name most of the vegetables they would it was hilarious the names that they said because they were such random things but but like it's a problem when the bulk of our diet should be vegetables like the majority of what you eat should be vegetables if you can't even name those vegetables and you don't even know what they are how the hell are you supposed to buy them or know that that's what you're supposed to be eating right so like even just identifying vegetables and saying this is an onion you know eat a piece of the onion this is what it tastes like this is how you can use it and this is what it's good for these are some of the cool things that onions have that are good for humans like that a 10 year old can learn that easily why aren't we teaching it why aren't we teaching basic food preparation like this what other skill in life is more important than making sure that the stuff you put in your mouth that is a big determinant of your health is actually real food that's conducive to health i don't know if there's much more like algebra is not more important than that no and I, so yeah so teaching like teaching concepts that actually allow you to be healthy in an environment that also is conducive to your health and feels less like a, a prison almost because I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of them just feel they operate like prisons and feel like prisons a little bit because... And you don't know it when you're there, right? Like a no. fish that's in water doesn't even know what water is. Kids that are in school, and we talk about you know the environment of your home and what's around you in terms of food. Well, guess what? We're trapping kids in this environment. So why don't we make it so that it's, you know, if they're going to be stuck in this environment, let's make it a good one so that when you send your kids to school, you know, they're basically being healthy, right? Like, why do we, I remember almost every school that I've ever gone to, you could easily go and buy candy, could easily go and buy fries. You couldn't I go and buy. So much <laughs> in, uh, crazy. in high school, I I was just thinking about that last night. I was I just ate. Oh, yeah. I don't know how Jack's many. Was within yeah, walking there was distance. a good pizza spot. So I would just like multiple times per week at lunch. Um, and I think like pretty much everybody in the school did. It was like the place to go. But yeah, if then you go crush three slices wonder, of pizza you're, and you go to civics and careers, that's already boring. You're going to fall asleep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just how biology works. Pizza and, and a, a Coke. Like yeah. that was like a crazy. staple of the diet. So if we make, you know, if you make real food options available, like just why would you make anything but real food available to kids? They're not, they're not of a mental awareness that they can make food choices or should be making food choices there you know we know what humans are engineered to want high fat high sugar high calorie dense uh you know calorie dense foods so obviously if you have fries there they're going to eat them and buy them yeah it's it's pretty simple make real food available to kids make it delicious can't taste like crap but i think the the physical element of let kids move more at school the food element of make real food available to children because you know, they're growing. This is a very important part, point of their life and their development. Um, and also start to provide education on those two topics, provide education about movement, provide education about food, because these basic pillars are like super important. And we're just not, kids don't leave high school with an education on that. They leave being unhealthy and knowing nothing about those two topics, which are, I don't know if there's anything more fundamental than learning yeah. about those two things. So, um, 
physical environment, next element, locomotion and transportation. And I think these two, it's almost like these two things are mutually exclusive. So what we mean by that is, you know, number one, your physical environment around your home, turn that into, you know, turn walking into an opportunity for just self-reflection. I think that's important because everyone has access to go for a walk, but yeah. no one really, I never used to know how to use a walk as a tool to just, you know, for mental health more than for physical health, but it does both. Yeah. So I think locomotion and trying to bias your physical environment, whether that's at the workplace, like here's an example. I had a patient do this once. He's like, I got to drive to work every day, but I realized that if I park 10 minutes away from my workplace, guess what? I got to walk 10 minutes twice a day. Exactly. So he just decided to engineer his environment so that he walked. And so there's, there's two aspects to it. Like you want to set up your home work, all of these other things in ways that are conducive to your health, but you also just want to like take advantage of our actual natural environment as much as you can. Yeah. So that might mean like going to, and you can do it in a, at a small scale, medium scale, large scale, the small scale might be like, there's a path near your work, go on the path, or there's a little like forest near your work or whatever. Um, go go to a park at lunch something like that get around trees get into the natural environment medium might be go for a long hike on the weekend go away for a weekend somewhere in nature so we're taking advantage of our actual natural habitat mm -hmm. and then you could do you know longer forms of that and traveling to places specifically that for the purpose of instead of going to an all uh you know an all-inclusive place go to somewhere that that allows you to get into these natural habitats and explore them and explore the 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 trees and and like move within them and all of that um so i think that's that's key too. set up your kind of urban environment in ways that are conducive to your health but also take advantage of what's already there and what we've we've been programmed to live in for most of our existence anyways yeah so and even like uh, having food accessible by walking to go and buy it is so is so huge right like find yeah. a farmer's market that is you know if if every weekend you have a tradition of find a farmer's market park 20 minutes away from the farmer's market walk to the farmer's market buy your food and do a loaded carry back to your car for 20 minutes to bring that food to your car instead of parking at the farmer's market just purposely create movement or engineer movement into your life by being conscious of the fact that it's beneficial and it's too easy not to mm -hmm. like this is one thing we were talking about before the podcast is like comfort and convenience is the biggest killer i think of everything right yeah it's too easy to text someone instead of calling them or meeting up with them it's too easy to sit on the couch instead of sitting on the floor so we literally have to engineer our environment to make it more convenient and easier to do things that are healthy and that's where you know, this, this whole thing of, which is generally taking the, well, that's the, the conundrum is it's generally taking the harder road yeah, and not the, but you can engineer convenient. the harder road so yeah. that it's more convenient to do that than to yeah. do. Like if the couch is really far away from the TV and there's a mat directly in front that you have to walk over to get to the couch, that's a pretty damn good reminder. And if, if you got bad eyes, well, guess what? You can only see the TV if you're sitting on the floor. So it's like, we just have to, if you, I think it's easy it's easier for us to help people engineer their environment and give them ideas for that than it is to constantly be nagging at people to do good behaviors. For sure. Like we said before, good well, behaviors stem from good, good environments. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we talked about food before, but this is definitely, and, and you mentioned as well, it's part of both our external and internal environment, right? When the food goes into our mouth, I mean, technically, you know, I listened to a, a gut podcast the other day and they were saying that really your gut, your, um, you know, 
your esophagus, your stomach, your intestines, your colon, this is all still part of the external environment until nutrients go through the cell wall into your bloodstream. Um, well, it's called the microbiome. So it's yeah, it's like its own environment, it's environment. Yeah. So, but food is part of your physical environment. And I think, you know, the biggest thing we're going to say here, we already talked about food, but there's three, I think there's three powerful principles um, that I read recently in In Defense of Food by Michael Pollan, which is an amazing book. Um, number one, and these are principles that don't tell you what to eat. They just make, sh- they're things to consider when you're choosing things to eat. Number one is avoid pr- food products that contain ingredients that are A, unfamiliar, B, unpronounceable, C, more than five in number, or D, include high fructose corn syrup. So that's principle number one. Principle number two, don't eat anything your grandmother wouldn't recognize as food. Your grandmother probably recognizes broccoli and bean sprouts and eggs, but she's probably not going to recognize Pop-Tarts, cheesies, you know. And and actually, you should probably go great-grandmother because your grandmother probably is already corrupted with all this nonsense. So don't eat anything your great-grandmother wouldn't recognize as food. And I think the last one is avoid product, food products that make health claims or that don't rot, either of those two things, right? Because avocados don't make health claims. But food products that companies can engineer can basically take up whatever fad. Oh, they're saying fiber is good now? Okay, well, we're just going to write high fiber on this box and people are going to get it. Like, it's like avoid food products that make health claims because they're probably not legit, number one, in terms of real science. And it just is a really good indicator that it's not real food because real food doesn't make health claims. Coax you into it. Yeah. And then I could, I would say maybe like stick to the, that one area. There's generally the area of natural foods is all in one in one in place one spot yeah so usually on the perimeter you could almost like put the blindfolders on it's again you're yeah. trying to ignore but if you just stuck to that natural area then you can just create a little habit loop and just like that's where i go and i go to the store and then i go and to once again cat. the farmer's market like that's a place yeah. that is loaded with real food there's not mm-hmm. really many fake foods you'll find at a farmer's market and so if you make a habit of going there um you're surrounding yourself in an environment that is filled with real food so it doesn't really matter what things you choose the the only choices available are real food and that's very powerful um okay let's talk let's finish this up with epigenetics because i think this is a um a term that you're hearing more and more and you talked about it a bit at the start but maybe go through give like a little primer on what epigenetics is and then we'll talk we'll tie in the environment to epigenetics because that's basically what it is basically it's the study of how the environment interacts with our genes and um, it's changes to an organism that don't involve alterations in the actual DNA sequence, but how the DNA sequence is expressed. So we used to think that genetics were like the be all and end all. And if you were, if you had a genetic predisposition to heart disease, then you would get heart disease and it's because of your genes. Uh, but now we know it's, it's how your actual genes are expressed. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into the, the science behind it, but basically there's based on what you do, Based on your lifestyle, uh, your environment, all the things we've been talking about, the food you eat, the stress you're under, and that's that's another thing we didn't mention. But um, all of these things basically create these conditions within your within your cell environment, and there's these chemical tags that will be uh, enveloped on your DNA, and that will allow it to either be expressed or inhibited. So basically, 
you can go so deep into the the study and science on it and it's basically what your internal environment and your internal cellular and your DNA environment is like and whether your genes have a chance to express themselves as they as they should or whether they they can't uh, whether certain genes are upregulated or certain genes are downregulated and they end up actually causing uh, changes in, into the actual phenotype like the way you're expressed so it's basically how your environment programs your actual biology yeah and it's one of those things where like we said before people use genetics as a cop out oh my mom had this or my family this it runs in my family and it's like well Okay, first of all, a bad back isn't genetic. Okay, so let's just put that on the table first because that's something you hear all the time. Oh, my yeah. dad had a bad back. It's like, yeah, your dad probably sat all day just like you. So we yeah. need to, familial and genetic are different things. But even when we're talking true genetics, you have a fixed genome, right? Your your genes are fixed, but the expression of those genes is variable. And, and yeah. what it sounds like what epigenetics is, is environmental factors that determine the expression of your genes. So exactly. it is not all about genetics. They are a factor. They have to be considered. But, you know, twin studies are one of the most beautiful ways to show that the environment matters way more about what genes are expressed or not expressed than the actual genes themselves. Exactly. And a couple of, like, interesting studies. There was one mice or mouse study that basically looked at they they in the control group they're uh basically they allowed the mother to have frequent interaction with the child when it was born and and like lick the child and and do all the mice things that they do yeah and then they actually Normal, separated natural yeah. relationship and then they separated that uh, that out. So the the other mouse did not get the normal behaviors that the mother would would give to the mouse. Um, and they demonstrated drastically just from that experience. Later in life, they dras- they demonstrated uh, drastically different behavior. And these were these were the same genetic uh, mice, right? They came from the same did genetic. Their genes change later in life. So their their gene sequence demonstrated like completely different levels of what's called methylation which is which is these little tags that are attached to genes and they cause them to be expressed in different ways like a switch so they basically linked the exactly so they linked the methylation to the behavior and they found that okay the mice who who were you know cared for demonstrated behavior way later in life that was completely different than the mouse that wasn't cared for and they basically came to the conclusion that just the behavior of how the mother acted was was a biological created these biological signals that ex- allowed their genes to ex- be expressed in, in a specific way. Hmm. And they found that in, in the monkey studies, which are uh, closer to us as well, and there's a, a surrogate mother, basically a, a fake mother that was just like a doll put in the room when a monkey was born, and the monkey basically. It, I've seen uh, videos of this. I think we looked yeah, we at it. In, psych when we yeah, were, so yeah. the the monkey will actually interact with the fake mother and think it's its real mother and all of that, uh, but then compared it to an actual mother. And they found that the surrogate uh, kids demonstrated way more aggressive behavior. They actually demonstrated uh, alcoholism when exposed <laughs> to alcohol violence. That's crazy. Um, so all of these things, whereas the regular mother uh, monkey exposed to the same environment after was much healthier and demonstrated normal monkey behavior. Um, that is just from that initial environment. And then they actually went further and sequenced the the genome after that. And they found significant changes again in the methylation uh, pattern of, of their genome. So how, how much these of these methylation tags were attached to their genes. So that basically their genes were expressed in completely different ways mm. coming from the same actual genetic background. Wow. So based on the conditions that they were reared in, and that's just an, that's just 
how your mother interacts with you. So that's that's a whole other ball game when you're when you're born uh, and your family environment, even in these very early years, um, and also the stress and conditions that you know when your mother's having you. Like, yeah. is she under a lot of stress? Is she eating thing. well? What is your mother's environment like when she's rearing you? So, but well, that's when, basically when you're in the womb. That's your environment. That's and, your environment. And your too. mom. The health state of your mother is the determinant of that inner environment. And Liv talks about this all the time. She's getting into prenatal stuff and um, pregnancy and how we really, you know, th- this whole thing with there's a big problem now with people not being able to get pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. It's very difficult. And it's because we're not, you know, if you're optimally, if you're in optimal health, you will be in optimal fertility. And if you live a unhealthy lifestyle, then your body's not going to be in a good position to want to give birth. And so, you know, this whole thing with, people not being able to get pregnant like this never used to be a problem it used to be a problem that you got pregnant too much and now it's like people can't even have a baby so you know this whole thing and then there's the whole other aspect of like these disease autoimmune diseases that are skyrocketing autism is skyrocketing uh, metabolic conditions are skyrocketing so all these things are skyrocketing and the science what the science is saying is these are highly epigenetic um phenomenon phenomenon so Again, that's a whole other can of worms, but is the stress that your mother is under or the conditions in general causing or contributing to these these diseases that people are born with? Um, one thing I would say about epigenetics is that it's still kind of a very new field. And instead of getting too confused with the actual, it, I find it very fascinating and interesting to know that your actual genetics, not only, they just recently found too, not recently, but more recently uh, than the study of epigenetics was the, the fact that these can be passed on uh, to the next generation. So the actual, your expression of your genes based on your environment is passed on. Wow. So it's not just within your life. It's 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 passed on to the next generation and the next and the next. That's crazy. So, um, that's kind of the link between uh, things like neurogenesis, where you you can learn things and you can create new neural connections in your brain, but you can't pass those neural connections on. But um, but you, all of these things you can. And another thing I just noticed that instead of getting confused with like, oh, is this good for my genes or this and that? It's like basically what the take home from this is: the more stressful your environment. Or, or the the poorer your environment, the more likely your DNA your DNA expression is going to be changed for the worse. So, yeah. um, so you can just that's just a general uh, principle. And then the the better your environment, the more conducive it is to your your you be you expressing your genetics to the best of their capacity. So that's so, kind of what. So your environment finding. affects your behaviors. Your behaviors express the expression of your genes, mm-hmm. and that can be passed on. But that it also plays on, a big yeah. role in disease. So yeah. at the end of the day, your environment determines your health. I think is the yeah. motto of this whole thing through this kind of cascade. And the environment is something that you have control over. And like we said, some people are at a disadvantage. If you live in a food desert, or food is much harder for you to get, or your workplace is not conducive to both mental and physical optimal you know and they aren't optimal environments well it's hard for you to change it but it's not impossible and so and it doesn't have to be perfect you can just change the things that you have direct control over and then yeah. start to chip away at the things that might be a little bit harder to but yeah small changes not get the, all get the ball rolling like start by just putting you know make one piece of furniture in your home harder to access create a zone where you can have a more movement rich area maybe in front of the tv whatever zone you spend most of your time in if that's the office make the office a movement friendly zone and just change the food that's available in your home environment right like that's an easy one for everyone to change and i think the limiting element to that for a lot of people is okay i want to make better foods available in my home what are better foods like what do i look for and that's really kind of the road the path we're starting to take now with tfc is working in other pillars of health and one of them is food so if someone knows 
what real food is, what healthful, good food actually looks like or entails, um, then they have the opportunity to then buy that healthful food and make it available in their home and weed out all the shitty foods that in their house. And if they're not available, they're not going to be consumed. Your environment determines your behavior. One of those behaviors is eating and the environment is basically what food you have available in your home or at your workplace or whatever. So, so anyway, we hope that this clarified things and allowed you to understand that your environment determines your health through the behaviors that it promotes and you can change your environment, you know, whether it's your clothing or your work environment or your home environment, um, you know, or your social environment, the people you hang around with. These are all things you can modify and change. And our role is just to make sure you're informed enough to know how to change it in a beneficial direction. So hopefully you enjoyed that podcast and we'll catch you next week.